Welcome to the 2023 World PICU Awareness Week podcast on sepsis. Created by the European Society of Pediatric Neonatal Intensive Care and promoted by the World Federation of Pediatric and Critical Care Societies. Each episode will host a short interview with key European opinion leaders on preventing and managing pediatric sepsis in PICU and NICU. Hello, my name is Orsula Gavronski, and I'm a nurse coordinator and researcher at Bambino Gesù Children's Hospital in Rome, in Italy, and I will be your host for this episode. So during today's podcast, I will be speaking with Dr. Jerry Sefton, who is a PQ consultant nurse at Alderay Children's Hospital in Liverpool, in the UK, and we're going to be speaking about the recognition of sepsis. Jerry is also the lead of the DETECT study, which is an NIHR clinical study of dynamic electronic tracking and escalation to reduce critical care transfers in children. So, Jerry, welcome. Oh, thank you, Ursula, for that lovely introduction. So, let's start this very challenging and interesting podcast with uh, one first main question, which is, Why do you think it is challenging for families and hospital staff to recognize sepsis? Because we know that diagnosis can be particularly difficult, especially in the early stages. Yes, yes, definitely. So to take it back to the very beginning, it's important to reiterate that um, sepsis is defined as a life-threatening organ dysfunction caused by a dysregulated host response to infection. So for lay people, it means that um, when children have sepsis, they are in a clinical state where serious infection has overwhelmed the body's normal defence mechanism. And the reason that it's so worrying for healthcare professionals is that um, there's a high risk of becoming seriously unwell, and it's one of the most preventable causes of death in children. The problem that there is with sepsis, which makes it very difficult to detect in the early stages, is it presents in a similar way to most other childhood illnesses. And this has been long, long recognised, actually, even in the 15th century, they were talking about um, sepsis as hectic fever, um, where it was um, difficult to recognise in the early stages, but easy to treat if it was identified and left unattended, it became easy to recognise but difficult to treat. And that still is the same problem that we've got today. Great. So easy to recognise, you're saying. So can you tell me more uh, about the red flag flag signs for sepsis? So what should we be particularly looking at, both as healthcare providers but also families uh, on children that may be potentially uh, septic? So we're very lucky that we've got um, nice guidance um, from the National Institute for Clinical and Health Research that tells us about um, risk factors for developing sepsis. So it means that there are certain groups that are at increased risk. One of these groups are um, children that have had recent surgery or an invasive procedure. Another is children under the age of one year. Another is children that have got indwelling um, lines like central venous lines or urinary catheters or any other form of skin break, like uh, lesions from chickenpox. Then a a further group are children that are neutropenic, that have got a very low neutrophil count, and these are predominantly children with cancer um, undergoing treatment, 
or children that are being immunosuppressed um, with um, chemotherapy, biologics or steroids. So those children at the very start have an increased risk of sepsis in comparison to any other children. And then the other thing to appreciate is that the signs that we look out for sepsis um, differ slightly from sepsis in babies and infants uh, to what we see in sepsis presenting in older children. So the signs that we look out for are slightly different. Key signs that we might look for in hospital are things like um, heart rate, respiratory rate, blood pressure, how how the child is, are they lethargic or or, or becoming more sleepy, etc. So the two components of the things we're looking for, one is um, increased risk factors to the child and the other is how they are at a single point in time when we do our clinical assessment of the patient. In terms of resources, do we have uh, and what resources are available to help families with early identification when they are at home? So high-risk children, so the ones that have got um, one of those uh, high-risk situations that has been described by NICE should actually have a plan when they get discharged from hospital so that they should be advised to seek medical attention if their child becomes more unwell. So in in that instance, that um, that should already be in place. Um, But there's been lots of good media campaigns um, over the last few years, and probably the most well-known has been the, the GLASS test for families that have been trying to find if their child might have meningococcal septicemia. So you remember that they used to press the glass on the skin and if the the lesion that they saw, the spots that they saw on skin didn't blanch, then that could be indicative of uh, meningococcal septicemia. But there's been lots of good promotion as well from UK Sepsis Trust, World Health Organisation of resources that are useful for families. But overall, the parents are the best judge about how well their child is because they're the ones that can make direct comparison to how the child is on a daily basis and they can make judgments about how well they are. Yes, and empowering parents is definitely key in in sepsis recognition, uh, particularly at home. But as far as sepsis recognition in the hospital setting, what resources do you think would you suggest and are available nowadays in hospitals to help staff with the early identification of sepsis? So since the publication of the NICE sepsis guidelines in 2016, there has been a lot of education for staff in hospital to make them more familiar about the key signs that they should be looking at for inpatients. And this also brought recognition that sepsis was a time critical emergency and had to be dealt with very promptly. And there's also been lots of other supportive organisations like UK Sepsis Trust that has also given guidance. But in hospitals, we also have now use of um, paediatric early warning systems that encourage staff to assess children um, intermittently over the course of a shift and look at some core information to try and make a judgment of the child's becoming unwell in hospital. And we would always advise that if a child is becoming very unwell, that um, sepsis as a differential diagnosis should be high on your list of considerations. Yes, actually, many hospitals nowadays do use pediatric early warning systems, but in Europe, not all. So do you think that uh, uh, those systems are enough to help with sepsis recognition? Well, pediatric early warning systems were not specifically designed for sepsis recognition. These tools are designed to look for all causes of deterioration in children. 
And they're actually configured to look at signs that the child might give when their body is working hard to compensate for being very unwell. So the, the components that we might look at are things like the child's breathing, how quickly are they using any accessory muscles, do they need oxygen, and also look at things like circulation, heart rate, capillary refill, blood pressure, and to look at their neurology. And we also encourage staff to um, listen to parent concerns and also to raise concerns if they're seeing some other soft signs that aren't really captured in the early warning score. So the aim of the pews really is that when it is elevated, that it should trigger some sort of suspicion that the child's becoming very unwell. And if that's the case, they should consider sepsis. But it's not specifically designed for sepsis alone. Right. So as you're saying, so having a pediatric warning system is not enough. Yes, I think it's definitely a help in terms of having a standardised approach to um, assessing the child and picking up the children that are becoming unwell. But it's not enough to be able to say clearly that this is sepsis. Because sepsis is a clinical diagnosis. There isn't a single test that tells you this patient has sepsis or doesn't have sepsis. And unfortunately, in the early stage of being unwell, the child is showing you some uh, subtle signs. And it's only really when they become more unwell that it's more, more obvious that it is sepsis. So what we would be educating our staff to do is um, if children have elevated pews in hospital, to one of the things to think very hard about is could this um, child have sepsis? Do they have risk factors, etc.? Right. At this point, I think that the nice sepsis guidance through the golden hour has uh, an important uh, role in all of this. Yes, yes, it does. So the nice guidance has been organised and subdivided into the guidance for children under the age of five years, between uh, the age of five and 12 years, 12 to 17 and over 17 And uh, as I mentioned before, the signs um, that we might see in those age groups differ slightly. And the sepsis guidance stratifies this, the signs that we might see into uh, moderate and, or high risk, essentially amber or red flags. And the actions required, um, if any of these signs are present, are standardised across all age ranges. So um, in the first instance, we would want to closely monitor a child in a location where there's resource to do that, to put them onto continuous monitoring, etc. We would want to give them, deliver some oxygen therapy, We would want to do some investigations to look for markers of severe infections. We'd want to send some blood tests to look at um, white blood count, neutrophils. We would want to send um, some biochemistry to look at um, any signs of end organ dysfunction and look at um, markers for inflammation. We would want to send blood cultures and we would want to look at other signs of end organ dysfunction. So we would want to look at things like lactate. Uh, looking at glucose and um, signs of kidney dysfunction. And we would also want to look at a blood gas to look at how well respiration is occurring in the body. Then we would also want to give antibiotics. So antibiotics has been one of the things that has been associated with improving outcome if they're given in a timely manner. So uh, we would want to give some IV antibiotics. If that's not possible within the golden hour, we would want to give those antibiotics intramuscularly. And then we would want to treat any signs of shock by giving some fluids, some volume resuscitation, if there's poor perfusion, persistent tachycardia, or increased um, lactate. And then finally, we would want to monitor urine output, the patient's fluid balance, and consider is there an acute kidney injury. 
So we know from the the literature that um, having this collection of intervention is associated with some improved improved outcomes for children if they're delivered in in a timely manner within an hour. This is extremely interesting and and really key for the recognition of uh, septic children. So, Jerry, to close this webinar, what is your main take-home message for both for staff and families on sepsis recognition? I would say that staff should have a high degree of sepsis of suspicion that sepsis may be a cause of deterioration in children with um, high risk factors. And I would encourage um, healthcare professionals to build sepsis um, screening into their normal processes of looking at their inpatients, because really, if you're not actively looking for these signs, you might not detect them until later. And then my second piece of advice would be if there are non-responders to early um, interventions to try and stabilise the child that's suspected of having sepsis, I would encourage early referral to critical care because we know that the long-term outcomes for patients with sepsis is improved if they get early transfer to an area where they can get advanced organ support if they're becoming very unwell. This is uh, really fantastic. Just one very last question. Is there any specific tool for sepsis screening in pediatrics that you would recommend? So the the NICE guidance is actually um, a very nice um, screening process for patients that have um, that we have suspicion of sepsis for. However, it is not normally delivered for all patients at every clinical assessment. Currently, it's been assessed if there is a suspicion of sepsis in the first instance. So this really brings us back to the idea that if we've got um, a child that's unexpectedly been more unwell or has got high P-scores, that we must think very quickly about could this be sepsis and, and, and actively screening the child at that point. Jerry, thank you very much. Uh, thanks really for all you do, for your great passion in, in all of this, uh, in your work on the pews, on escalation, on, uh, on sepsis recognition. And um, thank you. And oh. we can close this, this podcast. Thank you, Esther. It was really enjoyable to speak to you about this today. Thank you.